When it comes to building homes and factories, people use the term prefabricated to mean a number of different things. In a history spanning hundreds of years, which I briefly covered in the last episode, people have long assembled house components off-site and then shipped those components to sites along with instruction manuals for assembly. Prefabrication has been used for everything from sending houses from England to Australia via ship in the 1800s to rapid construction of suburban home developments in post-World War II America. In modern times, home pieces are precisely cut to size in a factory, so a finished building made primarily from these pieces can be accurately called factory built. Once you've constructed all the pieces for the home, it's usually a relatively straightforward proposition to ship them, as they're designed to fit inside of a container that goes on the back of a flatbed truck. While this prefabricated kit-based approach to home building can provide virtually unlimited flexibility in design, it can still take a while to assemble once the pieces arrive at the building site, especially if the construction crew doesn't have experience building with that particular type of kit. In the world of factory-built housing, the alternative to a kit build is a modular approach, where a box in the form of four walls, a floor, and a ceiling, also known as a module, is constructed inside of a factory and then shipped to the site. There are varying degrees of completion of these boxes in the factory. In some instances, the walls are complete and the plumbing and electrical wiring are already in the walls. These homes can go up in a matter of days instead of weeks or months. Outside of the United States, this type of construction is called a volumetric build. The most high-profile modular builder in America with venture backing is Blue Homes, the company I spoke with earlier that Forbes once described as the apple of green prefab homes. At one point, Blue Homes was selling nationally, but the company found that it was necessary to work very closely with subcontractors in the field who could pour the foundation and set the home. Bill Haney, the founder and CEO, made clear that expansion of those relationships would be a slow and painstaking process. In California, we're building enough concentration at present that we know the local subcontractors who, you know, dig the foundation or uh, put in the driveway or do the electrical hookups. And in the great state of New York, we know them in some places some of the time. And when we don't know them, you know, the customer or we get hurt. So we just feel like the right answer, the prudent answer is to grow in stages. And, you know, the reality is the great state of California is going to build 40,000 new houses this year. Building near your corporate headquarters has advantages, but with California in particular, there's a sense that Bill is facing the toughest building code of any state in the country for green building standards. So his perspective was a little bit of, if I can build this right in California, I can make it work anywhere. I live in New York, so Blue Homes is not an option for me, at least not if I want to put up a home in the state of New York. To the best of my knowledge, there have been no East Coast venture firms rushing to fill the void by putting $200 million into an East Coast Blue Homes equivalent. But that hasn't stopped other companies from trying to seize the modular home building opportunities available on the East Coast. You're listening to Predicting Our Future. I'm Andrew Weinrich. This podcast explores current industries that are ripe for massive disruption, as well as some of the most exciting opportunities for entrepreneurs to explore. This is the second episode in a series about my prediction 
that in the near future, a majority of our homes will be built in factories. In the last episode, I took us back in time to explore the history of prefabricated housing and spoke with home builders creating prefabricated kits for building homes that promise to reduce the overall time of construction. In this episode, I'll talk with modular home builders offering high-end homes that can be installed in a fraction of the time that it would take a local contractor to build a home, as well as a price rundown of some of the best kit and modular builders to work with if you're thinking of building a new home. This podcast is sponsored by DigitalOcean, a cloud platform company that is simplifying infrastructure for software developers. Thousands of startups have selected DigitalOcean because of how easy it is to get up and running with their platform. As you scale, DigitalOcean will scale with you. If you're a startup, apply for DigitalOcean's Hatch program, where if selected, you'll have access to their cloud for 12 months, in addition to technical training and mentorship. You can also go to do.co forward slash predicting our future and ask the sales team for a free trial. One company that will build you a small, high-end modular home or office on the East Coast is Cocoon 9, the brainchild of Chris Birch. Chris Birch is famous in entrepreneurial circles. He was the co-chairman of his wife's phenomenally successful retail line, Tory Birch. Some of his other high-profile investments include Jawbone, Voss Water, and Bubble Bar. His focus has always been creating a high-end brand for products he thought could be differentiated in the marketplace. For his new company, Cocoon 9, he told the New York Times, the goal was to create a thoughtfully designed product that is simple and elegant and can be used for many different functionalities. A modular home seems like a logical extension of his other entrepreneurial endeavors. I spoke to his co-founder, Ed Mahoney, about Cocoon 9's modular aspirations. What Chris wanted to do was essentially, his idea was to take a container and make it a home. Um, you know, they basically something that could be what we call plug and play, something that could be deployed in a very short period of time, but most importantly, a luxury experience. Cocoon 9 began by manufacturing in China, but has since moved production to New Jersey. The thing about Cocoon 9's products is that they are expensive and tiny. If you're super rich and need a pool house or backyard office for your Hamptons home, you're their target demographic. Our cabin is $225,000. And our sea light, which is our smaller unit, depending on how you set it out, it could be as low as 75 and it could be as high as 95,000. We have two styles. The, the larger one is 40 feet long, 12 feet wide, and 10 feet tall. So it's a high cube. Um, it's a jumbo. And, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's 480 square feet of living space. We've got a smaller unit that's 20 by 8 by 9, which is 160 square feet. They are currently working on hospitality deals where they can sell their cabanas in bulk. The other East Coast modular company that I heard a lot about was Resolution for Architecture. You know a firm is serious about modular building if they have a coffee table book. Joseph Tanney's firm occupies the 19th floor in a pre-war construction building on the west side of 28th Street in Manhattan. I thought the architecture of the building was somewhat ironic when you think about the sleek, modern work that Joseph does. If you've ever been to the Hamptons and you've seen a $10 million modern home in Montauk, there's a decent chance it was built by the firm Resolution for Architecture. In Joseph's conference room are piles of paper and books for his research, all on the topic of prefabricated housing. 
From his research, he has created his own framework for thinking about the space. Joseph was not a fan of the kit approach to building homes. He recognized the inherent advantages of prefabricated kits over modular homes in the flexibility it afforded the builder. But he also recognized that the more you build in the factory, the more money you can save on the finished product. The homes on our website, we've built between the modular homes. We've built between 100 and 450 bucks a square foot. Currently, current pricings, we recommend budgeting between 300 and 400 a foot. If our clients are building in the eastern end of Long Island, we recommend budgeting between 350 and 450 a foot. And how would that compare if they were using a local builder instead of a modular, a modular approach? In the Hamptons, a $400 a square foot house that we do from the factory is six to 800 bucks a square foot built on site out there when you compare apples to apples. So let me try to quantify and clarify these numbers. So at say 400 bucks a square foot, approximately half of it's coming out of the factory. The last dozen homes we've been doing have ranged between 155 and 223 a square foot coming out of the factory. Those ranges depend on how many windows we have, how much built-in cabinetry we have. For example, the house we just set, we have all the cabinets built in, the beds are built in, the dressers are built in. We do an extensive amount of custom cabinetry. Again, something we started a very long time ago of doing so many domestic spaces in New York City. So now we're using custom millwork into the factories, higher quality windows, higher quality insulation, higher quality plumbing fixtures. So the we keep moving the bar up. This was a greater cost savings than Blue Homes offered. And it turns out Resolution for Architecture didn't even own or operate the factory that was building their homes. Currently, the factory that's built the last 30 or 40 of our homes here on the Northeast has been Simplex out of Scranton, Pennsylvania. So they've been providing us the best product and the best service and the best price so far. Pat Friccioni is the CEO of Simplex Homes, and he struck me as the type of guy you'd want to do business with. Straightforward, honest, old school, not really a Silicon Valley type guy. First of all, Simplex Industries, we are celebrating our 45th year. Uh, we we uh, incorporated in April of 1971. We're a family-owned and operated uh, business, of which uh, I'm second generation. And uh, I joined uh, the company in 1984, uh, two years uh, two years after uh, college, and uh, and then I took over uh, the. Uh, uh, the uh, second generation took over in 1999, and uh, that's when I've been uh, president and CEO since uh, 1999. Pat was putting out 400 to 500 houses a year in his factory and doing it with a traditional assembly line of people. I wanted to know what it would take to build 4,000 to 5,000 homes a year, and here's where it became clear that there was a chicken or the egg problem. 
How do you build massive demand based on a significantly less expensive product when you need the massive demand to fund an expensive manufacturing plant? If you come into our plant, mo you know, I think most people would be amazed on, on what's going on about the, it's a beehive of activity. But they're also, you know, a little surprised about that there isn't a lot of automation. And the reason why there isn't a lot of automation is, is the fact that everything we do is so highly custom. And uh, we've been working with Lehigh, we've been working with some of these uh, German manufacturers, and uh, the bottom line is uh, this, this equipment is, is so darn expensive. And if you are not building a lot of the same product over and over, it becomes uh, it, it becomes very difficult to retrofit. Well, not retrofit, but 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 to justify the cost of this machinery when you're not going to be able to use it all the time. The model of a bleeding edge architectural firm with high end clients working with a factory that historically constructed traditional and lower priced homes seems to be in vogue. I found other New York architects working with different Pennsylvania factories to build their high-end homes. But it seemed almost nobody wanted to tackle the challenge of building a home in one location and transporting it to another region of the country. If you are going to transport a load wider than 8 feet 6 inches, you need a state permit and probably a pilot vehicle to escort a truck with a wide load. Modular builders either construct modules that are 8.5 feet wide or pay the added expense of an escort, which usually means an expensive early morning delivery. More than any other reason, the issue of transportation is why modular building has tended to be a regional business. Most factory-built homes are delivered from factories that are within one day's drive from their final destination. Jared Levy, CEO of Connect Homes, a modular builder based in Los Angeles, characterized the modular industry this way. We looked at the prefab industry and what we saw is that the prefab industry overall is also regionally constrained. And so, you know, everyone in the industry uses these really big modules because on the one hand, they want to really maximize the work that gets done in the factory. And the way the industry is set up, they don't really care what happens once it leaves the factory. So industry-wide, people use these modules that are you know, 12 to 15 feet wide. They're up to 60 feet long. They're 16 feet high. They require all these special permits, special routes, special cars, special trucks. In Jared's prior work at another architectural firm with a prefab practice in Los Angeles, he found that some of their wealthiest clients were willing to absorb the cost of shipping modules long distances. They're basically over-dimensional modules that are on trucks. And so when you ship one of these trucks, say, cross-country, one module can easily cost up to, depending on the size, thirty dollars to $40,000 to ship it cross-country on a truck. Why is that? Just so I understand, is a module consist of more pieces that can fit on a single truck? Uh, no, the, the main difference is it's... Because it's so wide and so tall, what everyone else uses, um, you require special routes, um, which makes actually adds a lot of mileage because you can't go through some areas of that, that width. So, you know, you could end up with, if you want to go 1,000 miles, your route, because of the size of your module, could actually be closer to 2,000 miles. Um, 
You also require pilot cars for a lot of the way. So, you know, you ever see the kind of the pilot cars with the the sort of pickup truck in the front and back that says oversized load. So, you know, when you and then in some jurisdictions, in some areas, you actually may require a police escort. So by the time you go from, say, California to New York and you factor in all those costs, you end up at like a one module being close to $30,000. At Connect Homes, Jared's answer to the transportation problem is to build modules that don't exceed the size of an intermodal shipping container. You know, our modules basically took the DNA of a shipping container and we put it into our housing modules so they can, in essence, um, plug into that network. So they can be put on trains, they can be put on boats. Um, so if they want to go you know, overseas, they can be put on a boat, just like a container boat. If they want to go cross country, they can be put on the rail. Um, and even, but then the key kind of in this whole equation as well is that at that size, so when you're only eight feet wide and 40 feet long, even on a truck, it's cheap to ship cross country. Does this mean we can expect modular mega factories in the future that can transport homes anywhere in the world? It's unclear. Connect Homes has perfected transportation for their distinctive designs. But this means accepting certain design limitations. For example, their ceilings are no higher than nine and a half feet. Will others be able to adapt still more extensible designs to intermodal shipping constraints? Only time will tell. Accelerators and technology incubators are getting excited about startups that are focused on prefabrication and modular building. Jason Calacanis' launch incubator is helping to develop Blockable. Blockable has yet to launch their first building, but their approach seems very similar to Connect Homes in their construction of structural modules that are then shipped to the building site and connected to form a home or a community of homes. Their target market seems to be the development of connected urban communities. You can hear my full interview with Blockable CEO, Aaron Holm, along with all the other participants on predictingourfuture.com. I started these interviews in search of a tipping point, some changed circumstance that would cause most people who are entertaining building a new house to consider it crazy not to buy a prefabricated or modular one. The tipping point I thought would most profoundly drive the industry was price. If we could reduce the cost of a build by 90% without sacrificing quality or aesthetics, then everyone would move to factory-built housing. So how do we get there? You would think that to produce modular homes at scale, we would need lots of people to buy them. Generally, this would require a large investment in a factory that can produce at scale, resulting in massive savings. But with the exception of blue homes, we haven't really seen that type of investment. Yet, so instead of waking up one day with a blockbuster modular product, what we've seen over the past 20 years is companies demonstrating in small numbers that price reductions in home building are possible. The companies we've spoken with all promise significant price reductions in the cost to build compared to a traditional build. In prime markets on the West Coast, it can cost between $400 and $600 a square foot 
to build a high-end home with a construction crew doing all the work on site. Here's the alternative the companies I interviewed presented. In Los Angeles, Connect Homes will sell you a home for $250 a square foot. In Seattle, Stillwater Dwellings will sell you a home for $375 a square foot. And in San Francisco, Acre Designs will sell you a home for between $275 and $330 a square foot. In the Hamptons, the highest end homes can cost upwards of $800 a square foot to build with a construction crew doing all the work on site. Resolution for Architecture will build a comparable product for $400 a square foot. What's really interesting about the top modular builders is that many of them don't have their own factories. Look at Simplex Homes, the Pennsylvania modular builder. They produce some of the most beautiful homes of any I have seen. But these particular high-end homes are conceived, designed, and sold by the architectural firm Resolution for Architecture. While companies like Blue Homes have been learning how to build and operate factories on investors' dimes, Firms like Resolution for Architecture have been leveraging factories of existing builders who were not previously in the business of constructing homes with modern designs. Collectively, these prefab and modular companies have proven that 50% cost savings is achievable, even with tiny volume. Many of the companies I spoke with are in the process of raising venture capital to build their own factories. If they are able to achieve scale, prices are sure to drop further. Maybe a 90% cost reduction will eventually be achievable. For the time being though, there seems to be one pretty good opportunity to make money. If you can find affordable land in any of the markets I mentioned and build a home using one of the companies I interviewed, there's probably a great opportunity to flip a house. I'm thinking of doing this myself. Tune in to the next episode in the series on factory-built homes, where I'll speak with some of the world's most ambitious companies attempting to break down the construction process and make it more efficient for building the next generation of apartment buildings. If you'd like to learn more about the companies featured in this podcast, as well as a few additional companies that I interviewed, go to predictingourfuture.com to access the full list of participants and all the interviews in their entirety. This is predicting our future.